Hey, this is Omar, and this is, and that's okay. You're listening to a podcast about life, mental health, and taking care of ourselves. Hey, we're back. And this is going to be part two of talking with Katie about her experience. We started with burnout and now we're going to get into um, her journey with uh doing some self-care. So I'm going to hand it off to Katie. Hey again, everyone. Um, Last week, we talked a lot about what my burnout process looked like um, and how I first noticed that it was time to introduce some really good self-care practices into my daily life. Um, Just a little recap. It was about halfway through my grad school program for counseling and I had stopped eating, not really knowing that at the time, Um, really just thought I was too busy. I had grad school, I had practicum or internships, sometimes labs, and then sometimes like nannying on the side for a few extra dollars. Um, And all that started to take a toll on my body. Um, It wasn't until about Mother's Day one year that I posted a picture with my mom after we had gone to a beach and I just got flooded with comments and likes and comments about, wow, you're so tiny, you're so skinny, how did you do that? Um, Kind of just admiring this new body and that's when I had to take a step back and realize I had lost a pretty drastic amount of weight and I did look a lot different than I did whenever I came in to grad school and I kind of thought back to how I got that way and it was simply not prioritizing my body and my health and knowing that I need good food and food in general to be put into my body to get those nutrients to give back to my body to put into things like studying, giving back to my clients, um, and setting up that future for myself. Um, So that was a real difficult time and not some great thought process and lots of intrusive thoughts that were hard to block out like I should be prioritizing my time to study and not waste time cooking dinner or just taking the easy way out and getting fast food Um, and I had a lot to learn from it. And so I know that that process involved um, like some really solid mentoring, right? Like you went into that new um, environment and it was a place where the people you worked with and for kind of established expectations about self-care. And so um, maybe you could talk a little bit about how those kind of external standards that were being placed on you about self-care managed to be internalized for you. Absolutely. One thing about me is right now, I am that people pleaser, especially in that role of being an intern at a very complex facility, working with lots of different um, clients and cases and age groups and different backgrounds. 
And so getting placed with two really great supervisors who ultimately always put our self-care first was big for me because that was an expectation of my job. And as an intern, I feel like I'm kind of fighting for whatever role might become available whenever it's time that I graduate and start my job hunt. And so for me, it's game on as an intern. And so I'm like, okay, well, I have to be the best at everything in everyone's eyes. And so a big part of that and the culture there was promoting that self-care. And so at least on paper, I had to be showing that, yep, my self-care is a priority and I'm doing all the things to check off the boxes. And it wasn't until I got even further in some of my supervision sessions where those conversations got deeper of what does that self-care look like for you? Like put that down in your schedule. You're not going to see clients. You're not going to take meetings during this 30 minutes to an hour long break, or you just had a tough situation or an escalation with the client. You're going to go take a walk around the block and just take a minute to yourself or with your peers to really focus on that self-care and getting back to baseline. So that way you can be that person for your clients too. And that was a huge part of the process for me because I knew those questions were going to come each week and that also my other cohort of supervisors and peers and interns, they were going to hold me to that standard too, especially my self-care partner as an intern. Those conversations got really deep and some of those self-care times were spent together because that relationship and support was just constantly there. So, Katie, I I heard you say like, there was a commitment at work to take care of yourself. Um, and so I um, want to specifically focus on the like 30 minute break and making sure you are taking a 30 minute break. Um, and, and I've talked to people about this of like, when you're doing that break and you're committed to that break, are you sitting at your computer and you're doing notes or are you actually getting up and doing something for yourself. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I love that question, Omar, because I think I kind of held myself in a little bit different light when it came to that, because I thought I was weird that for me, when I needed to take a break, I physically had to be off location of work. And so our work had very clear borders of where it was. And so I made myself either walk outside of the area or there was even a park nearby. And I really like to drive my car two minutes, park in a mostly empty area, like lean my chair back and then put on the Calm app or different self-care apps and meditate, put on a five, 10 minute meditation, really ground myself and then check messages that I probably hadn't even looked at most of the day from people that I cared about or wanted to ask me questions or check in on me. And that was big to help also bring me back to awareness and the expectations that I was about to walk back into, but still not work related to where it would stress me out all over again. Um, And whenever I would take walks around the block, I was honestly so blessed with my peers, interns and other colleagues Um, They were the best walking partners. We would sometimes put on songs, (laughs) songs, or we would vent to each other as we were walking, tell funny stories throughout our day, um, talk about books we read, anything you could think of. 
And it was just the most grounding time to be outside, whether it be cold or really hot and spend it, spending quality time with someone who supports you and understands what you're going through at the same time. Yeah. And I think that that's a, a real privilege and like uh, probably a rarity to be in an environment in a work environment that isn't just about here's your 30 minute break, right? It's about picking that apart and, and identifying what you need to do with that 30 minutes to, to ground yourself, to recenter. Um, but it's very personal, right? So I guess I'm curious, like how, how much of that was defined for you and how much room did you have to look at that and say, you know what, actually my self-care looks like this. Yeah. I think from the beginning, the way our intern program was structured Um, We had weekly intern group supervision that really pushed us. We always started with a self-care check-in activity, and we were expected to give pretty in-depth responses from the start because we were kind of urged that this is going to be a very demanding role and not many people are going to understand it or get it. But you have a group of people, hopefully like-minded people, who are willing to be there and support you through them in hopes that you'll they'll also be there when you need them. Um, And that was, like you said, a really big thing for me and a blessing that not a lot of people have. Um, And I'm thankful that I was able to get that structure and that supervision to then pass on to some of my intern whenever interns, whenever I had them, or also just other people in my workforce or cohort, because some people, they didn't even have like, self-care time in their schedule they are booked probably to overtime and they're working for free and other times the expectations are so high that you're so tired when you get home there's not time for that self-care and so it's so important to implement that and find the people that know what you're going through or can at least meet you at that level to empathize and support you just as much as you're going to support them whenever they're down to can you speak a little more about what it, this is like a two part. So like what it is to have an accountability buddy and what it is to be a, an accountability buddy. Cause it's um, what I'm picking up is like, that's very vital to like being able to do the work you do and also just like navigating life. Definitely. To be honest, my check-in buddy, my self-care buddy at that time is still my go-to person. She's still my check-in buddy for support, even though we haven't worked in the same setting except for that one year. And I think that's kind of amazing because I've also never really had this kind of experience with someone to support me through things as a therapist that I'm going through that are really hard for other people in the day-to-day life to hear and understand and process. And we don't want to put that weight on other people because that's really hard. And I'm sure there's lots of other occupations out there that feel the same thing that other people just don't understand the weight of that that's being carried. Um, And so from the beginning, we were set up with a few questions that we would ask our partner weekly. Um, Sometimes those questions would change and sometimes they would just simply be hey let's go sit outside for 30 minutes and just 
vent and see how we can support each other and just have that time for some self-care in nature or just away from some of the chaos and everything that can happen at any work actually. And being that support system, I found myself being a little bit more hyper aware of that person's emotions or the situations that they were in. If I hear of different situations through colleagues or friends that they might've been in that they were in, or even if the clients that they worked with were in, I instantly was more invested in trying to figure out how my partner might feel and different ways that I could support them through that. Most of the time was texting them pretty instantly like, hey, I heard about this. How are you doing? Do you need support? And like, where are you in case they do need support and don't have time to be checking their phone um, every five minutes? So, I mean, that's amazing that you've been able to keep that support system in place even beyond that internship. So what else did you take home? from that experience as far as self-care goes? What what did you learn from it that you now apply in your personal life too for self-care? I really learned that my self-care doesn't have to look like anybody else's self-care and that that's okay. And I'm allowed to enjoy other things that most people wouldn't like or think is weird. And in all of that, I don't need approval of other people for my self-care because it's at the point that I've decided to put myself first and taking care of myself. Um, My biggest thing for self-care right now and a good reset, taking a bath every night before I go to bed. And I don't like going outside after I've taken that bath because then I'll probably get cold or something like that. And it just throws my routine off. And so... For me, I after that, I get in bed and I have a little bit of time like on my iPad or watching TV, reading a book, and then I go to bed. And sleep is also really important to me. Um, I have an autonomic nervous system that sleep can really tamper with if I get too much or too little. And so I know that sleep's super important and I want that eight to nine hours. And so ultimately, if I have a bath, I know I'm going to get a good sleep routine. And if I don't have a bath, it's probably not going to be as great. And then throughout the day, sessions can get like back to back in different meetings and expectations like that. And I find that going to the bathroom and just sitting there, if I need to take like an extra two deep breaths just to recenter myself, I need to be intentional about those five minutes in between my sessions, because that could be me carrying whatever energy was from one client or session into another and affecting them and affecting the therapist and person that I want to be for my clients. Um, and ultimately my clients are my biggest responsibility and I never want to let them down. And I also want to prioritize myself to be the best version that I can. So how challenging is it to stay committed to yourself? And so what I mean by that is like, you're, you go to the bathroom, you take your two deep breaths, can it get sometimes easier just to be like, well, I'm just gonna just power through or I'm just gonna, instead of staying committed to this intentional routine I'm having, I'm gonna just do this really other quick thing and then just jump back on. It's super easy, especially with like technology and everything we have today. 
I could be like going towards my desk and get some a message on my phone and instantly be down a rabbit hole on something of that nature and not really even think about how I'm going to present next session. Um, I've kind of got into a habit with my new routine of making sure I know how many sessions I'll have that day and the times they are. And I sort of make a little countdown for myself. So after one session, I'll be like, okay, one out of six done. And that countdown kind of helps me keep going and think about how I'm going to be for that third client, how that fourth client, because the second one is done and it's already been checked off. Um, And as I get closer throughout the day, I tend to get like more excited because I'm like, okay, you're halfway there. You only got three more sessions. Um, And ultimately, I really love just picturing my clients because most of them are just really great people that I enjoy working and talking with. And I'm like, I wonder what so-and-so is going to say today. I wonder how so-and-so is going to dress bare up today. I wonder what we're going to do in so-and-so session, just knowing their personalities. And that also gets me excited for what's to come and for what they might bring up in session for us to work on. Bri, I can go if you, if, if you want me to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you did mention bear, right? And I know we talked a little bit about this before. And when we talked about animal assisted therapy, your partner, bear. Um, what's the self-care routine with bear when you are doing therapy with your partner, bear? Oh, it's my favorite topic to talk about. Yes, I have a nine-year-old black lab named Bear. Um, She's worked with me for the past three-ish years as a therapy dog. And she is the best coworker you could ever imagine. Um, It's pretty great to get to bring your best friend to work every day and pretty loose expectations for her. Everyone loves her. And to them, she can do no wrong, even even if she's begging from them 24-7. But there's kind of two sides to that because... For me, it's also important that Bear has a version of self-care. It's very important for her to understand when she's on and working versus when she's not and just gets to be a pet and herself and the expectations aren't as high because that puts a lot of stress on the dog constantly being in a working environment and having different expectations than whenever they're just at home getting to chill. Um, there's different things that they probably would put up with without giving too much sass back because bears very talkative. <laughs> um, but for her, I never let her work three days in a row. And that's pretty important to me. If there does come a case where she is working three days in a row, she always gets to do something fun at some time during that day. And I never schedule her for more than like one session. And that's like just worst case scenario someone really wants to see her and she doesn't look sad as I'm walking out the door most of the time if I try to leave she kind of will be upset and like wait at the door being like why can't I come with you and so when I see her happy like that I'm like okay you can come for this one just because I know it'll upset her if I leave and the client but I always prioritize making sure she has a super fun rest of the day with like relaxation and things that I know she likes um And then I let her have rest days in between because I don't want her to get stressed out. She is an older pup and I want to make sure that she's around as long as possible, not necessarily working because 
she is my priority, not the work that we do. Even though it is important, I can do that work on my own just as well. Maybe not as fun though. Um, and then on the other side of it, <clears throat> it's a lot to handle being a therapist, being in charge of the client, their client safety and well-being, and also having your fur baby in the room who is also your responsibility, like your child, um, and you know their likes, dislikes, and worried about what could possibly go wrong in session, whether someone's stepping on her tail, her getting hurt in some way, a client becoming aggressive. You just never know and you're preparing for the worst. And so for me, that's a lot of responsibility on top of making sure that I'm providing really quality therapy for my clients. And so after work, we take off her bandana and collar and we just have some one-on-one -on -one time. The puppy might be there. My partner might be there. We might all be playing together, but it's just like, wow, I love you. You're such a great dog. And her giving that love back. And sometimes in between sessions, we have little moments like that too, where we'll go back in the office and I'll either give her treats or we'll like lay down on the floor together and I'll rub her belly or cuddle her. And those times are really grounding for both of us because they break the stress up throughout the day. Um, and that can get pretty hectic after a while. I was going to say that it, the process of, of making sure she has self-care sounds like self-care for you too. I mean, yeah, yeah she is my baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's, that's a nice, like definite bonus of, of, uh, your job as having, having that self-care built in with your partner in therapy. That's oh awesome. yes. Especially during hard sessions, she kind of gives me the side eye and I'll kind of give her the side eye. We just kind of <laughs> acknowledge the tension in the room. And after <laughs> that, she's like, okay, as long as you feel it too, we're good. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, so what advice do you have? And, you know, you can, you can focus on grad students, you can focus on people, other people in your field, but just like knowing what you've been through and experienced, what, what's your advice for planning a self-care routine for other people in your position? I think for anyone that is in a high stress or hectic lifestyle right now, whether that be in school, work, all the above, parenting even, you have to decide to put yourself first almost on a daily basis because there's going to be days that you're going to wake up and think of all the other responsibilities you need to get done and not think about the time that you also need to give back to yourself whether that be time cut from getting ready, you're just going to speed through getting ready because other things are more important. Sometimes those few extra minutes can mean the extra mile for how you're going to feel that day and how you're going to present yourself to others, which for some people has a big impact on them. Um, and you also have to spend time and maybe a little bit of money just figuring out what you like and what you don't like. It's so easy to hear of different things that people are doing, like crocheting, knitting, paint, painting rocks, um, going hiking, um, all the different things, going out to different restaurants. It'd be like, oh, that's not for me. That could never be for me. Until you go out and experience 
you might love crocheting even though you never thought you'd crochet in your life or you might absolutely hate it but when you find that thing that you really like and gets you excited it's going to keep you coming back for more and keep pushing you to find better ways to make that better and to dig deeper into your self-care and I found another great thing is check-ins with peers and friends that also support you if you have that identified person it might not be a bad idea to once in a while ask them how they're doing and see if they reach out to you too and then if that's mutual setting up a time being like hey should we just do a weekly text check-in or should it just be random of how are you doing what do you need right now Um, because it can make a big difference whenever you're having a hard day just getting a text from someone saying that they're thinking of the position that you're in I like that. I like that idea that it's not, yes, it's for you, but it's not all on you to care for yourself. Right. That's a very good point. Yeah. And I like that a couple minutes can take you a mile that day. Just Mm -hmm. like having that time to ground yourself for sure. Well, Katie, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate you sharing your story and I just learned a, a lot more about you and I, I'm grateful to know more about you. And so um, I appreciate it. And um, Brie, you're next. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I'm thanks done. for having me. <laughs> <laughs> um, we get to ask Katie and I get to ask Brie questions next. So yeah. Um, once again, Katie, just thank you. I, I yes, thank appreciate you. having you as a co-host. Absolutely. Super excited to turn the table to Brie next. (laughs) (laughs) There are things we can do to take care of ourselves. And sometimes it takes time to figure it out. And that's okay. Okay.